What's going on, Golf Addicts? DB here. I got my boy Jeff Feinberg filling in because we know Pat doesn't like to talk a lot about live, and we're going to talk about live. That's what we're going to do. This is strictly a live golf discussion. The good, the bad, the pros, the cons. I was just at the Live Miami event. I was there for two days during media Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, learned a lot. Saw behind the scenes kind of the secret sauce in a lot of ways. Um, and, and it was interesting. And I've heard some things and there's, you know, the season has now come to an end for Liv. There's a lot of rumors being thrown around about next season. And, and you know, Feinberg's got a lot of great takes on everything, but especially Liv Golf. Jeff, thanks for uh, thanks for hanging around to talk a little Liv with me. Uh, no problem. You know, I always enjoy discussing Liv Golf. I don't know. It's just... It's created a disc like the discourse around it has just been one of the most fascinating golf stories probably of our lives. And I love golf, so obviously I enjoy talking about what I see as the biggest golf story in my life. Yeah. I mean it really is. I mean it's either that and it's it's either that or like the emergence of Tiger, right? There's nothing else anywhere close. Um but, but this, it, you know, we could look back on this. Now, a lot of Liv haters are going to say Liv's going to be nothing in a couple years, right? No, nobody believe they don't believe it's going to get off the ground. But if it does, we could, and, and 20 years from now, 10 years from now is still a thing. Like, we could look back at this and just really have grossly underestimated what a big deal this is in the world of golf. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to sense that people have underestimated any part of it. It's been very polarizing. Oh, I've I had always... I've had so many people in comments like, "Why are you even doing this? Liv's not going to be around in two years." Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And off the top, off the top, this is I have to you know sometimes I'd say this at the end, but off the top, to not acknowledge in some level what they have accomplished in their first year as a success, even if you don't like the format. Even if you make fun of the logos, like I, I take all the low hanging fruit. Yeah. I make jokes. There's low hanging fruit there. Like yeah. The bosses are terrorists. Like there's a low hanging fruit there that I can't avoid as I, you know, maybe it's not the best form, but as I've joked before, if some, one of my buddies told me they had a sleepover at Michael Jackson's house 15 years ago, there'd be a low hanging fruit <laughs> joke there too. Like there's just <laughs> low hanging fruit and I'm going to pull it. Um, and I can't help that. All that being said, Riviera, the Masters, what was the talk? Won't get off the ground. Dead before it started. When those Phil comments came out, this thing like dead before it started was what the blue checkmark golf brigade was was preaching. So based on dead before it started, won't get off the ground, to then think they pulled off what, 8, 12, 14, whatever, how many events they eight did? Tur- eight tournaments, yeah. With Dustin, global, Cam Smith, global, and 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 all those guys, you know, Bryson, and to like for where we were at Riviera to where we were last week. Even if you don't like it, even if there's still things to make fun of, you can't say like you can't not acknowledge that's a success. Yeah, like that's a success. And like any company, a lot of things in the first year like look stupid and feel weird. I bet you they work harder and on everything from continuing their onslaught to roster better players to probably fine tuning a lot of the things that 
we make fun of, like logos that look like it's a seventh grade HTML project. And you're the Saudi Arabians. Why aren't you going to the people, let's say an NFL team or an NBA team or a baseball team would hire when the team wants to change their logos? Like these huge yeah. graphic design, like yeah. how much money and concept go into that? Like, so on, on every <coughs> level, from thinking that they'll be on TV, um, yeah, I give the, I have to say their first year is a success. In closing to this rant, I just don't like change. I don't like when my favorite website changes, even if they make better changes. It's just like, oh, what is this? And then, you know, like, I don't know. And then you realize later, oh, it is actually more user-friendly or this. Like, I don't like changes. The, the McDonald's near me, the closest one to me, went under renovation. It's this nice-looking McDonald's. Yeah, it was just this bougie, brand new McDonald's. I hate it. You sell, you're starting to sound like Ander, Andercuss right Dukes. now. This is an Andercuss rant, rant at the moment. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I'm just saying, I don't like change. That doesn't mean, like, you know, but we're here. Um, and if it was into you went last week, there's rumors they're going to be in Toronto next week. I'll go. And I'm not saying I'd go because the tickets were $2, like the jokes from last week. Yeah. If they want a fair, if what it costs is a fair price for, or not a fair price, if it's like a normal sporting event price, I would still go. Yeah. Because I would want to walk 18 holes with Dustin and Cam Smith, even if I thought it was an ex, even if I didn't care for the format or the structure, I'd 100% want to go to watch those guys up close. Yeah. Yeah, so I'll say this: like I, I, I am definitely not a live homer by any means. Uh, I've I've made a lot of fun of live from the jump. Made a lot of fun of live on TikTok, on Instagram. Just scroll. Made a lot of fun of live. I, I've never been like completely live hater either, right? Um, and and you know, doing content for live, man. I, you know, we've had people in the comments and the DMs everywhere criticizing you know me for doing any sort of live content. I think I did two or three live betting previews this year, this season. Um, and you know, because I, I sat there and said, I quit my job in March to do this full time. Tour Junkies is a professional golf gambling and DraftKings you know content provider. Companies like DraftKings, PointsBet, FanDuel, BetMGM all have all are deep in the pockets of the PGA Tour and all offer live gambling in certain states. DraftKings offers DFS contests for live. As long as that's the case, then I'm going to cover live from a betting DFS perspective. It's just going to happen, and and people are going to bet on it. Are they, are they as interested in it as the PGA Tour right now? Is it as interesting to me to bet on it from a better and, and DraftKings perspective? No, I don't. I hate. 48 guys. I hate no cut. I hate three rounds. I hate all that from a betting DFS perspective. It's terrible. So I, and, and I, I, I think they're going to do some things to improve the, the format. But what I, I also acknowledge, Jeff, and in, in you're touching on it, like <clears throat> for people who deny and act like the whole thing was such an a, a unmitigated disaster is ridiculous. Live is a startup. Live is a startup organization, whether you like it or not. Now, they're a startup where you know the source of their money makes 500 million dollars a day globally in in oil so they're they're well funded but they are a startup essentially and so for the year that they've had uh it, it, it's it's remarkable what i noticed all along and what started to kind of 
make me a little bit more of a live believer in terms of can it work? And also, I guess a guy who's a little more interested in live as it keeps happening is I love to see how nimble they are as an organization. And man, what a juxtaposition to the PGA Tour. I love the PGA Tour. I love the format. I love the tournaments. I love the players. I love the courses. A lot of it. But, and I know it's a big ship and it takes a lot to, to steer it and turn a, a big ship around. But the nimbleness of Live and what they've demonstrated this year in terms of changing their format, changing, their, changing the plans for next year. You know, the, the, what they're doing in 2023 was originally their plan for 2024. And after yeah. two events, they said, scratch that. What we were doing next year, we're now trashing and we're moving everything up. That takes a lot. When, when, and this is a little thing, but it just shows you. When after one round of an actual tournament, Greg Norman decides that evening that we're going to let guys wear shorts starting tomorrow. That's a small thing. But, I mean, what a juxtaposition to the PGA Tour making that decision. Uh, but, but that he would just say like, okay, starting now, tonight, I've made the decision and we're doing that. And to me, that says a lot about how dangerous they can be as an organization and a threat to the PGA Tour because they're willing to be nimble. They're willing to adjust. They're willing to move on the fly, which startups have to do. But successful startups do that. The ones that don't suck, you know, and, and they, they flame out. But the juxtaposition between their ability to be nimble and pivot versus the PGA Tour, is, it sucks. And, and there is also no denying, and I'm, I'm grateful for this, that they are improving the product of the PGA Tour. And they're, they're forcing the PGA Tour to finally make changes that they should have made. So I'm excited for that. All very well said. And the nimbleness of it is, it's a very fair point in the sense that they realized like there were going to be embarrassing things that happened last year from, from production to logos. Like they realized it, but they probably decided we just got to start this thing and we'll learn on the fly. Yeah. Like any startup. And I got friends that have started content networks in such in this thing and they didn't think they were going to start it till next year but you know what the money that's sort of floating around in the space like we're not fully ready but we're starting this thing because there's just the sponsorship is there for us now and yep. we'll learn on the fly and we'll improve as we go and i know that's not an apples to apples thing but it's just the reality of it um so i i see no yeah i, I that that stuff like you, I, I'm very, you know, cognizant of and, and aware of and like any company that is successful, they look a lot different in year three, four and five than they did in year one. And their structure is such that Greg can just say, we're going to do this now and we'll just make that switch. And that's why I think to expect a lot of potential changes in the coming years as they'll you know, acknowledge what works and what doesn't work for, for them. Um, I mean, I still, this was our logo when we first started, <laughs> you know, yeah, like, no, of course, <laughs> I mean, no, nobody course. comes out the gate, uh, you know, super hot. Now I, I it's like, they were ready. They knew that their logos probably looked embarrassing, but they're like, yeah. there's it's more beneficial to just start this yeah. than fine tune everything. Um, before we start and you've also even before live existed to people say like you've done shows for a decade now every week on the pga tour do you know how much fun you 
you and you know the two of you have made fun of the PGA Tour. Yeah. Like Mayo and myself, yeah, every Monday we come on, we make yeah. fun of the the broadcast, we make yeah. fun of the fields. Like yeah. it's not to say we haven't spent all this time like bashing the PGA Tour when we get opportunities as well. So, um, and so have all the all the blue checkmark capital J journalists that can't stop hating on Live. They've 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 the last seven to ten years done nothing but hate on the PGA Tour. Yeah, and I'm just. I just don't like change. I don't know. Now it just feels like a house divided. And the concern is in the end, we're going to be the losers. Well, yeah, for guys 100%. are going to make more money everywhere in the ecosystem of golf, yeah. uh, even in the content ecosystem yeah. of golf. But the golf fan just feels like we will be the biggest yep. loser in all of it. Anything that fractures it. And to sort of piggyback my point on the top of I don't like change, well, like a lot of people probably listening, we're spoiled North American sports fans. Yeah. And not a lot of us love soccer. We like soccer. We'll watch the World Cup. But I don't like the leagues that I cheer for. Messi and Ronaldo would play in the same one. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, I'm a spoiled North American sports fan where uh, you're supposed to play here and it's the best and we don't spread around <laughs> yeah, that's true. our love. That's true. You so- know, and that is what is sort of in my m- mind. But I totally get when a player like a Cam Smith forgetting having the exemptions is just like, nah, this lets me play golf, make a lot of money, live at home, yeah. be with like my actual friends and family. That's not to say I'm not going to keep my beautiful Florida home and boats, but you know, the PGA tour is pissed on Australia. They've taken a giant yeah. dump on Australia. So what, what, what loyalty should some of those players have again? Like, I don't know this conversation. I could go all over all over the place in it um yeah and i know you don't have unlimited time so what you can do is whenever you need to go i'll let you drop and then i'll i can hang it by myself but um i I learned a lot when i went to the the you know to the live event miami as media one of the things that that i've heard or that i heard from a a player is that next year speaking you've you've remarked on the branding a, a couple times so next year i think one thing that i think people are underestimating next year Starting in the new season, the, these, you know, when, when Liv came out with the new, t- with the team thing at the London event, I don't know if you remember, it was clunky. There was like oh, a draft. There that's was an a, understatement. There was a draft and then there wasn't a draft. And then a guy was like, yeah. oh no, actually I'm over here playing on this team. And then the next week it was like the team sh- got shook, you know, sh- shook up again. And people were like, what the, how am I going to keep, how am I going to have any sort of loyalty to, to this team if, the, if things are changing? Well, they, they got it kind of figured out. Obviously they had to get, you know, players moved over and they're going to continue doing that. But when the team thing and the dust settles for that and the franchise stuff is set up and communicated and marketed, I think people are going to be very intrigued because Mm. you're going, now the captains have 25% ownership of their franchise. Bryson DeChambeau, Dustin Johnson are now 25% owners of the crushers and the four aces. What I've been told specifically on the branding side is that Liv has, has acknowledged that the, the, the company they used to do that sucked, and they're willing to give each team up to $125,000 to rebrand. After that, the, the team pays for the rest of it on their own. Yeah. Starting next year, there is no more gravy train either from the, from the Liv uh, team side of things. For example, this means that Money won on the golf course 
is going to the individual play. Money won by the team goes to the franchise. Okay. Now, I'm sure the franchise will have arrangements of how they disseminate that, that money down, that yeah. funding down to their players. But it is not automatic starting next year that if Pat Perez finishes DFL and the four aces win, that he gets a $750,000 paycheck made out to Pat Perez. That, that team money is going to go from live to the franchise. Then the captains are going to get a larger chunk of that money. And then whatever their arrangements are with each player as they sign them individually will, will, will be disseminated. That's the other thing, too, is that player contracts will be with the franchises, not with live golf. There are a couple players already that have that deal established um, where they actually signed already with the franchise and they don't have a live golf contract. They were kind of ahead of it. But I think when people start to see Bryson DeChambeau, Dustin Johnson, Cam Smith, Phil Mickelson, Brooks Kepka as owners slash players of these franchises and how they operate, including recruiting players from outside of live, including recruiting players from other teams within Liv. Uh, I already know for a fact Taylor Gooch is not going to be on the four aces next year. He, he doesn't want to play for DJ, and he wants to go to a different team, and it's already set up. I already know that Matt, Matthew Wolf is a, supposedly a free agent right now, and he's entertaining offers from other uh, Liv teams. When all that stuff starts to come out and get fleshed out and marketed by Liv, I think that's going to intrigue the hell out of a lot of especially young golf fans? Maybe. I don't know. I'm not totally... I have no idea on that. I, I don't necessarily agree with it. I'm not here to fully disagree with it. Um, I think there's just been a lot of weird jargon, like especially from Norman. When he addresses, like... and We all see it. You golf. You, you live... You don't just do golf content. You're very much yeah, in like yeah. the golf world. The amount of people that have found golf in the last three or four years that have no interest in golf or betting or have no allegiance to PGA Tour or live that even if they found golf at Top Golf, like which is fantastic, like that's their entry yeah. point. That's incredible. Rick Norman talks as if those people like are going to pick live, and I say that like. When me and my wife go to the bowling alley on a couple's date, like I'm not like interested in the PBA the next week. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't understand (laughs) how that, that correlates at all, but there's a couple things like my main, these are almost my two main points about where maybe they could be in some level of trouble in for one. I think the biggest, most polarizing thing that happened this year in the live VPGA was one week you had Henrik Stenson tell the Ryder cup, flip them two birds. And yeah. whether there's the conspiracy that, that they paid him, like, you know, that was all he leveraged that from go. Like he almost agreed to be captain knowing that would get him much. I don't even care. And then that week, that very week, he like literally flips off what is as important to maybe golf fans yeah. as the masters, the Ryder cup, yeah. like even the most casuals love, like you have buddies who don't even like golf and they'll watch the masters, but they love football and they just love the Ryder cup because there's cheering and you get booed and heckled all of that. He, he gave that the double bird yeah. and he went out the next week and won the event, which was like another 4 million just in his pocket. And nobody gave a shit that the people who are going to inherit, the only people that would have given a shit are the kids that are going to inherit Henrik Stenson's money. And then the next week, the very next week, Tom Kim 
arrives at the Wyndham, and it was magic. And it was just like, you cannot. And that Henrik Stenson story, in my opinion, got underplayed. Like, the entire sporting world should have made a bigger deal about double birding and then winning four million. Like, in the same week. Like, that was, like, that didn't get enough, like. I agree. And it kind of just showed me, like, no one cares. Like, no one cares. Because this is an actual story. And no one cares. Tom Kim, that felt freaking magical. And you can't buy the magic. The magic is not for sale. Um, There's that part of it. And also, would you agree, or your opinion, the FedEx Cup, it's existed a long time. Would you say it has resonated with the American sports fan? We'd probably all agree no, even golf fans. What is the FedEx Cup? To me, live as a tour is really just a glorified FedEx Cup. You have these strong fields, and it's just a cash grab golf. Like the FedEx Cup hasn't really resonated because the the fields are amazing. Like you can never complain. The right. FedEx yeah. Cup events are the greatest fields in golf. Why haven't they resonated with sports fans? Because even golf fans, like golf for straight cash, meh. Like we get it. We like watching players hit great shots or hit bad shots, but it doesn't resonate. And every single live event is essentially a minor version of FedEx Cup golf with a, at this moment, a worse field. Because um, you can never compete with, if Live ever has a field as good as like the second leg of the FedEx Cup, oh, like I don't even know what world we'd be believe living that. in. believe that, yeah. There's not, <laughs> you don't get better fields than FedEx no. Cup. Not even majors have better fields than pretty much FedEx, yeah, those right. first two, three legs of FedEx Cup golf. Um. So in some ways I see live is like, it's just a weekly FedEx cup and that has never resonated. And we have enough time sample on the FedEx cup for me and you to probably agree that didn't move any sort of needle still in the golf fan psyche in the American sports fan psyche in the world golf fan psyche. So I look at that and I say, as a testing ground for live, the FedEx cup is probably I mean, despite the fact that it's sponsored by FedEx Cup and put on NBC, those are very good things. But I think you know what what I the point that I yeah. think I just made yeah. there. And I, I think Liv is gonna realize is realizing that as well. Again, things that I heard there were things like we're increasing the field size. It's gonna be sixty four players. There's gonna be a, a low ten or fifteen cut. Um, you know, there, there's some of those rumors floating out there and it goes back to their ability to be nimble, a willingness to be nimble. We'll see if they actually do that. And if that's just rumor or whatever, but I, I think they're realizing that to an extent. Um, I couldn't agree more with you there. I mean, like I said, up top, I hate limited field, no cut events. I, I, I just, I do, I don't enjoy them outside of like leg to leg two of the FedEx cup. Like you're talking about those, those 75, 80 guys. But, um, <clears throat> I, I think, uh, I still think the team stuff and the franchise stuff is going to give enough content and it's going to give enough uh, storyline and, and interest off the golf course with how some of these guys run things or decisions they make or team you know brands they partner with. I think it's going to be an interesting thing that, that will give a, that, will, that will add some storyline to live off the golf course. And, it, and it's a storyline that's not con- that's just all controversy. Speaking of brands, and I've spoken about this with Pat a couple times, and I'm not shocked that this is the case. 
But corporations were all quick to drop these guys when they went. Mm-hmm. But the golf brands did not. Not one of these guys lost a single golf-related equipment, ball, anything sort of manufactured. Like, from that standpoint, like, the industry has completely stood by these guys. Um, I've heard two of those brands are already deals on the table, ready to go to, to be a brand of a franchise, but they don't want to be the first. Yeah, they just want to see it like kind of be normalized before they like yeah. say we'll do it. And that doesn't surprise me if you're going to tell me Cobra is willing yeah. to just buy into the Bryson t- like Yeah. I that's my that's just what came to my mind instantly. It would make um, sense. Um, you know, yeah. to hear if that Cobra was going to invest or be a part of that Bryson team, that <laughs> sounds very normal yeah. to to me. Um and yeah, I could see them not wanting to be the first and yeah. you know there's the beautiful juxtaposition of like you know us hoping ricky fowler continues this great form that he's shown in the in the fall and becomes just a normal pga tour golfer who can make cuts and once in a while uh contend and we would get to see him play with these young players that we love now who have completely you know passed him would be an understatement but uh, uh, yeah i i, I not even to turn it into that. I think there's nice stories on, on both on all of it here. Um, so yeah. I, the rumor I heard in terms of players when I was there is that the goal is to add eight more of the top fifty before before February before the season kicks off. It seems attainable. Like it really does. And the, the hardest the hardest offers the, the the guys they've gone after the hardest and continue to go after after are obviously Patrick Cantlay and Xander Schauffele who have been rumored a lot and then but the the one that they've gone after more than anyone is John Rahm it's the connection that he's got with Sergio um it's it's uh the, the, apparently they they're going after him extremely hard also heard the rumor that Cantlay and Xander are coming as a team deal as a package deal in within a franchise like the same franchise. That um, makes sense. I would, you know, I'm worried that you're going to say there's Victor rumors. I, didn't I mean, hear any, I heard nothing about Victor. I heard nothing about Victor. Obviously the, um, the, the golden boys like Scheffler and Spieth and JT and Morikawa, Rory didn't hear anything about any of those guys, but those three no, were we didn't the, Rom. Rom was pretty, there were some silly rumors floating around the internet that Rom felt that I'm just going to completely. Yeah squash these that one feels more real than it does feel like there's a bit more coyness in the cantley uh-huh. xander thing yeah i mean and to be fair i don't think xander's ever said anything that's unfair xander has always kind of said i want to play where the best golf in the world is being played yeah. yeah so if there's an ecosystem in three years where the strongest fields are all are there then i think xander yeah what would go and i think a lot of people do agree with that i um yeah this just uh it's gonna be another year of that and then honestly the the most annoying thing about all this live stuff is i obviously do love the discourse as you've said in this show it feels like we've done a half hour we could do another yeah yeah hour literally like yeah i could literally just go another hour but i always around new year's tweet for the cesspool that Twitter is, I actually 
have 99.9% positive interactions. We just, we're like-minded golf fans. The discourse that we have, like, I love it. I don't find that I'm in that other part of the Twitter world. And then Liv kind of brought us into it in the sense that like I had opinions, like I'm now, I used to only get the sex bots, you know, girls that, you know, (laughs) wanted to flirt with me. Now it's like, you know, but like the bot farming is real. And I'm not saying there's also not a PGA tour bot farming, but it just has made the last year of golf Twitter like less enjoyable. Now, as Mayo would always yell at me, I'm an idiot. Why am I talking to the bot? Like you're a moron, like for even engaging because, and I know you guys over at junkies, you've had your, you've gotten into some, you've put your feet in mud on Twitter before. Sure. It's one of the reasons I think Mayo is like the king. I've never seen him get into like a Twitter squabble. Like yeah. he is above all of it. Like, fuck you. I will not give you the respect of even like acknowledging yeah. you sort yeah. of, he, even if he you say something that. like so cruel to me, I don't even care. Like I'm so above you. I won't even get in a ring with you. I'm too stupid that I, you know, sometimes it's a late night on a Sunday. I've had a few, yeah. I mean, I'm just into it. Now I'm like in quicksand. I know you guys can. Oh dude, the first few years of tour junkies, I, I yeah. freaking Pat worried the shit out of me. Now he's, he's gotten <laughs> better as he's gotten older. He stays off the phone, you know, late at nights when he's had a few, but dude, I would wake up every morning and check Twitter. Not because I wanted to check Twitter, but I would go to our profile and read our tweets and replies to make sure Pat didn't, you know, detonate yeah. on somebody. Or it's like you see, like you wake up and there's like 80 notifications. Yeah. Like, what did oh, he effing yes. say last We had night? a couple of those. Now, yeah. now we have not gotten it. I have not gotten into the live bot stuff. Like, <laughs> I, I've had virtually zero interactions with all those. I see them, <sighs> but, I, but I have not gotten into like a one-on-one with them like you're talking about. Oh, yeah. No, I'm such a loser. Like, I'm, I'm so mad when it's over. Because I just got to, like, congratulate them on being born. Because to me, it's like, who, you know, Twitter's a cesspool. Like, you decided in June of 2022, today's the day I'm going to try Twitter. No better time to join Twitter than now. I, like, I would always make the jokes. I don't know if you remember that Texas Rangers, I think he's an Atlanta Braves coach, Ron Washington. He got busted for cocaine. And he literally said, like, he tried it for the first time at 68 years old. So it's like, you're telling me? You made it like that whole way through life. You played with Tim Raines and you survived <laughs> that. And then there's one day in your 60s where it's like, you know what? Today's the day I'm going to try this cocaine Damn, dude. Thing. A Tim Raines reference? I did not see that coming. You are the king <laughs> of content, like, Jeff like, Feinberg. You know, that's just, I feel the same. Like, today's the day I'm going to try this Twitter thing. Like, no. Let's no. let's go. No. Let's see. Let's go 30 seconds and just name random old baseball players. Ready? I'll, yeah, I'll go. go one, I'll up, go. one by one. Yeah, yeah. Andy Van Slyke. Chris Sabo. Oh, good one. Uh, Jeff Blauser. Benito Santiago. Oh, t- talk dirty to me. Uh, Pudge Rodriguez. Otis Nixon. Loved him. Face like a like chewed tobacco. Yeah. A chewed caramel, like your kids got at Halloween last night. Yes. Uh uh Andres Dalaraga. Oh uh, uh, I love that. Uh Jeff Brocious. Ooh. Um Je- I'll see your Jeff Brocious and raise you a Je- raise you a Jeff Bagwell. Mark Lemke. Oof. Raphael Belliard. 
Uh, Pat Borders. I had to go to my Ooh, I don't know who that is. I was going to say I Joe did... Carter. I was going to pull a J out on you before. Well, you could, okay, yeah, maybe it should have gone better than that. Yeah. What was the guy? Uh, what was the the? Um, I was about to pull the guy from the Twins when they won the World Series. The the like redneck white trash looking guy with the long hair. It was like uh, Ken Herbeck. No. no, no, he was the evil first baseman. I remember him. This guy played like, Mulholland. No. Terry Mulholland. Uh... No, this guy played like outfield. I think he was skinny, looked like a cracked out trailer park long hair to here god he played with like puckett herbeck yeah anyway well that was fun um you gotta go or are you good Nah, yeah I, I, it's uh you gotta go don't you you got content yeah. to do there are a couple things i gotta get done but hit me up anytime Throw thanks it man enjoyed it part two i i don't know we'll I do it do another hour on it i guess i'll talk a little bit more about live i've had some people ask me about my experience. Um, first of all, like I guess, let me elaborate a little more on why I went to the Live event and why we cover Live. I talked about it a little bit from the betting DFS perspective, considering it's my full time job, all that stuff. So you may have heard us talk about the Nut Hut. You're like, what is the Nut Hut? Well, the Nut Hut is our private Discord server. If you're like, what is Discord? Well, it's kind of like a, a messenger application, like Slack or something like that, but it's way cooler. Okay, and our private Discord server is where a community of golf-loving, just golf junkies and addicts gather. Every single day, 24-7, there's somebody in there chatting it up. We've got uh, approaching 1,000 members in the Nut Hut. And it's people who love to bet on golf, who love to watch golf, who love to play golf, who love to play DFS. And it's where all of our inside information goes. If we have a caddy, if we get caddy information, if we're on site that week as media, or we have somebody with us as media, uh, all the inside information from the golf course goes into the Nut Hut and is shared with Nut Hut members. We have a weekly uh, input from Caddy John, who spent 12 years on the PJ Tours of Caddy. He gives us all kind of intel on the golf course and other things that he knows and finds. It's where we do our Wednesday night live chat every single week before the tournament starts on a Thursday. Me and Pat, uh, our friend Ben Little, other members of the Nut Hut community get in and do a live Wednesday night chat. We have drinks, we talk about what we're doing, we talk about lineups, we talk about betting, we talk about strategy, whatever it is, we talk about it, and the Nut Hut is the place to be on Wednesday night. Now, if you're thinking, hey, it's, it's football season, maybe it is, maybe it's not, I don't know, whenever you're hearing this, it doesn't matter. We have every sport imaginable. If you can play DraftKings on it, if you can bet on it, if you can gamble on it in any way, it's in the Nut Hut. We got people talking about it all the time. Every sport, we've got experts, we've got listeners that are great in every single sport available. Since June of 2020, NutHut members have won a verified $6 million in daily fantasy and betting. It's amazing. We've got a ton of sharp people in there, a ton of sharp minds in there playing DFS and betting on sports. The NutHut's where it's at. Plus, it's just a great community. We've, we've grown to make a lot of friends, internet friends there in the NutHut, and it's just a great time. So we encourage you to stop by, give it a look. The description and the link to get in the Nut Hut is below. Check it out. You can cancel it anytime. No questions asked. Give it a shot. Try it out. We bet you like it. Oh yeah. Plus you get 20% off all your tourjunkies.com slash shop merchandise purchases. I promise you, you'll make your money back. Check out the Nut Hut description below. Let's get back to the podcast. We also have friends on the live tour. Like Harold Varner III and Charles Howell III, oh, I guess we're really good with thirds. Um, th those guys are our friends. We we've known those guys. We've known Harold for five, five six years now. Um, we've been friendly with Harold for a long time. Uh, he's, he's been good to us. 
Charles, I've known for now five years. Pat's known his whole life. He grew up at Augusta Country Club, right, right there with Pat. Um, so we, we have friends there. We have caddies that are friends there. Kyle Bradley, Hudson Swafford's caddy is one of my friends. I caddied with him at Augusta National in college. I've known Kyle for a long time. Benji Thompson is a North Augusta guy, played high school golf with one of my very best friends uh, at Lakeside High. He caddies for Abraham Answer. Um, we, we have guys that we know that have gone to live, caddies and players, and they're friends. So I was down in Miami on Monday playing in a charity event, Scramble, and I thought, you know what, let me, while I'm down here, let me try to do the live media thing and see what it's like. So I got the credentials just for Wednesday and Thursday. Now, I was not there for a tournament day. I was only there for Wednesday and Thursday. Wednesday, I spent basically the entire day, I walked nine holes with HV3, Hudson Swafford, Turk Pettit, James Piott, and Bubba Watson was in the group. Walked inside the ropes with these guys for, for a you know, three-hour, nine-hole practice round. Thursday, I walked uh, nine holes with Charles Howell in the pro-amp. That was a three-hour, three-and-a-half-hour ordeal. Charles Howell and, and, a, and a few of the amateurs and his caddy, Nick. And <clears throat> I learned a lot. Um, so, you know, I didn't see, like, the crowds or anything. I didn't see the crowds for the live tournaments other than what you guys saw on Twitter, whatever. But one of the things I was looking out for, and you don't really hear this argument a lot, but I have heard it a little bit, is like, oh, these guys don't care. They get the bag, and, then, and now they don't care. They, they, they go to live so they can quit playing competitive golf and they can quit trying and they can just make money. Now, to some extent, I understand it is a money grab. Everybody's going to get paid. What last place gets $120,000. I understand that to an extent. You know, I talk about it myself on the PGA tour when we have a WGC event and you're questioning like somebody's motivation at a WGC event, you know, versus a, a cut event or a major or whatever. I think there's a spectrum of that at every level of golf based on how good or bad of a player you are and based on the tournament. I think there's a spectrum of that, right? Like, I mean, how many years have we gone to Brooks Kepka events where he's played and it wasn't a major and questioned his motivation? Because his record at those events was poor outside of major championships. It was like, you know, dang, does, does Brooks ever actually care if it's not a major? I mean, DJ, does DJ actually care? We question that about some of these guys even before they took the jump. So I do understand that to an extent. But let me tell you what I observed just with the players that I named that I walked with on Wednesday and Thursday. Without a doubt, they were all working, okay? They were all trying to, to figure out how to play the golf course. They were thinking about the tournament ahead of them. Uh, for example, Swafford and Turk Pettit got drawn as alternate shot partners. Well, Swafford gets to the tee and he takes the young, you know, 19, 20, 21-year-old Turk Pettit and goes, listen, this is what we're going to do. I'm teeing off on the odds or evens or whatever. You're doing the opposite. We're going to roll this, and we're going to talk, and we're going to figure this out. So from the jump, they, they, they're working on it. Well, they're like three holes in, and I'm standing there talking to Kyle Bradley, Hudson Swafford's caddy, my friend. And Turk's like, Hudson hits his ball, and Turk like drops a ball and hits one. And Kyle goes, dude, this is not, this is not what he should be doing. He goes, hang on a second. He goes over to Turk and says, listen, don't hit shots. Don't, don't, when we're practicing, like, don't do that today. Don't hit shots from, from places that, that you may not end up being in. Like, it's just going to mess with things. Like, we're playing a true alternate shot today because that's what's going to be best for, for the, the, the tournament come Friday. And I, was, I thought that was interesting to see a caddy correct a young player and say, that's not how we need to do things here. This is how we're going to prepare, and this is why it's best to prepare this way. I um, thought that was interesting. Uh, HV3, you know, 
Every tee box, HV3, Charles Howe, all of them, every tee box, every tee box, talking through line, talking through trouble, talking through where the miss is, talking through, you know, is this the right club? Like, they're all, they're not just out there dropping the ball on the tee and hitting like we would on a casual round of golf. They care. Um, Charles Howe III on one par three, I remember hearing this. He's like, he gets the number and he asks about the wind and he says, well, what's the wind going to do? What's the wind projection for tomorrow, which is the next day they were playing? And this caddy's like, well, tomorrow it's going to be down. And he said, okay, well, I still want to hit this club and see how far we can get it so that tomorrow we understand if we can use this in the wind or not. And this guy's like, go for it. So like they were preparing and making notes for the, day, for the day coming after. At the end of the day, some of this speaks to like the exhibition thing. Like I hear this a lot. I see it a lot in the comments. Lives in exhibition. Lives in exhibition. It's not a fair assessment, Okay. Do you know how many, I mean, there are college tournaments that are 54 holes and no cut. Are those exhibitions? Like, I mean, obviously they're not professional events. Those guys can't be paid, but I, I would argue they're not exhibitions. They're, they're tournaments, right? We have, we have the WGCs. We have the, the, the Tour Championship that is 30 guys and handicapped, freaking handicapped. Is that an exhibition? I understand it's one more round than live, but like, you can't say that four rounds takes a tournament from being an exhibition to a real tournament. That's just an arbitrary number that we're all used to. Four rounds is just arbitrary. I don't hate the three-round thing. I don't love it. I would rather it be four rounds. I don't hate it. As a gambler, as a DFS player, I don't hate it. I really hate the 48 guys no cut. That's what I hate. I want more players, and I want a cut to some extent, even if it's not a half-the-field cut, even if it's the bottom third cut. Just give me some cut, okay? But the three rounds versus four rounds to me is, is somewhat, it just, I don't, it doesn't really add up. Uh, feel free to drop in the comments what you think about some of this stuff. But think about it and try to be objective before you drop a comment, seriously. But it's not an exhibition, guys. It's not. These are some of the best players in the world. Is the whole field top to bottom stacked? No, it's not. It's not. But neither is every PGA Tour event. It, there's, it's not. You're going to have ebbs and flows in a tournament season. But these are some of the best players in the world, okay? And, and they, you joke about a guy like Siwon Kim at like Bedminster or something shot an 87 one round. Well, then the dude, the MFR shot a 63, okay? Like, I understand that we tend to not see those kind of, that kind of variance in a PGA Tour event, 24 shots. I don't care who you are. If you shoot a 63, at Bedminster, wherever they were, it doesn't matter, a long golf course, tough golf course, that's freaking good. You are a top player in the world. When I say top player in the world, like you're a top 400 player in the world. Anyway, it's not a stacked field top to bottom, but it's some of the best golfers in the world. They are playing on some of the best golf courses in the world. Some of these golf courses held PGA Tour events. Some of these golf courses have held LPGA Tour events major championships or were slated to hold major championships in the future um doral is not an easy place to play golf okay they had a 640 yard par five it's florida it's not at elevation like it it wasn't a lot of hills it was freaking long okay and these guys are playing for a lot of money and i understand that the money is is very polarizing to some but I, I just think that from what I saw with my eyeballs at the event, it doesn't seem like these guys are giving a whole lot less effort. Now, again, I said it's a spectrum. 
There may be some that do, that are mailing it in. But I know that that happens on the PGA Tour. I've talked to players for seven years. Mailing it in is sometimes happening on the PGA Tour, whether you like it or understand it or not. It is happening at the top level and the bottom level. It's happening. Whether that's on a Friday when you know you're outside the cut line and you don't care, or whether it's on a Sunday and you're one of the top players in the world and you're sitting in 64th place and you know you can't get to 20th place or 15th place and you don't really care about the difference in the pay between 64th and 48th, so you're just mailing it in. That happens on the PGA Tour. So I just can't get down with the fact that live is an exhibition. That argument doesn't work in the comment section. It just doesn't. If you're objective, it doesn't. Um, and here's what I'll say, too. Liv put $2 billion into this thing this year. $2 billion. They are putting another $2 billion. They've committed another $2 billion to 2023. It's a lot of money, okay? I heard this quote from a player. The people running Liv Golf are not good business people, but they have so much money, it doesn't matter. And if, if you've been in any business, if you have a problem, you can overcome that problem with things like talent, business acumen, um, whatever. You can also overcome that problem with just a dump truck load of money and overpay for corrections. And that's what Liv is willing to do and they're doing. Now, whether you like that or not, I, whether it's ethical, I mean, I, I don't know. I, but it, it's the truth. And so they solve problems quickly. They have 100 full-time staff, 100 full-time staff at these tournament events. Now, that's a lot for a startup golf league. They've already said that their plan is to add another 100 before the new season starts in February. The franchises themselves are beginning to employ their own people just within the franchise. So you're going to have live employees and you're going to have franchise employees doing everything they can to make this product better for the players, for the caddies, for the fans, for the people on site. For, for the, the social media, for the production stuff, it, it's going to improve drastically by next year. Um, and I will say from an experiential media perspective, I've done media inside the ropes, outside the ropes at probably five or six PGA Tour events over the last two years, including the Players' Championship, their, their premier event, um, but also events like the RSM and the Byron Nelson, right? And, you know, and, and I've, I've been treated fine. But the level of treatment I got at a live event was very, very good. The food was great. It was hot. It was plentiful. The drinks were great. They had a, a, a they called it the backpack, the backpack snack section. I had like candy bars, chips, you know, Nutrigrain bar stuff, snacks that were out all day that if you were in the media center, you just grab and stuff in your bag and go head out back on the course. I was given access to areas that I would never have been given access to on the PJ Tour. Now, whether or not that changes, it could. And whether or not the players and caddies love that, they might not. But all I know is as of now, I was given tremendous access. And I was also allowed to take pictures and video, whatever, and publish it. And I didn't get it taken down. I didn't get a nasty email or whatever DM saying you have to take it down. And I understand a lot of the legal implications of all those things. I get that. And I know the tour is running a, a, a big business. But I do think there's some things the tour could learn from a media standpoint that Liv is already letting you do. In, in, in letting media 
project the product that we love and that we want to project and that we're there to cover, let us project it to our, the people that follow us and care about our opinion. Um, that was nice. It was refreshing to not have to worry about, can I post this video because it shows this in the background or it has this or that. It was refreshing to be able to do that. Um, so that, that felt good. That felt good. Uh, what else? I mean, I, I don't want to like, I just want to talk through my experience, I guess, in terms of like, th- there's just some things, there's some things that I think if Liv executes on, obviously the TV deal is big and the rumor is Fox. And that's the rumor I heard when I was on the ground, Fox. Um, and the TV deal is big. And, and, and listen, if they don't have an app that I can track players then that's going to not be good for most gamblers. If Liv decides next year they really want to go in and, and go after the gambling markets, it's going to fall flat if they don't have an app that I can track. And the problem with that is the PJ Tour, I think, owns ShotLink, or, or they own the patent on ShotLink or whatever. So I don't know how much money you got to throw at this problem, but a big problem Liv is going to have if they truly want to make diehard fans, especially in the DFS and gambling community, is if you don't have an app that I can track my bets shot by shot, not total score, shot by shot, I want to sweat that, okay? I'm a degenerate. I want to know that HV3 is in the fairway or not. And I want to know how long his birdie putt is right now. The PJ Tour gives me that. Um, if I don't have that, then from a betting DFS perspective, it's going to suck to track and follow, even if you get a TV deal, because I can't watch it on TV all the time. I'm, you know, I'm at work or I'm on a date or I'm in church or whatever it is. You, you, you know you're looking at that app. If you're betting on the PJ Tour, like you track that stuff everywhere. If I'm sitting on the toilet, I'm tracking it. Oh, you know, where's Luke List's birdie putt at? Oh, six feet? Huh, that's a miss. Maybe a three putt, you know? Um, you got to be able to track it. I don't know how they overcome that one, but that one's going to be interesting to watch is, is if they can pull that together. I came from the software space. I worked in the software space. That's the job I quit to come here. It's hard to build good software quickly, but money solves a lot of problems, and Liv's got it. So um, I think, you know, uh, the other thing that a player told me, I'm curious your thoughts on this. The other thing a player told me is, he said, one one of the things that people don't understand when they make the argument, and this is the player speaking here, when they make the argument, oh, Liv is just throwing all this money out, and they don't care if it makes money. They don't care. And, and, that's, that's unethical or it's poor business or it's whatever. He said, one of the things they don't understand is live golf is a small cog in the wheel that is the sovereign fund of Saudi Arabia or whatever. It's, it's a cog in the wheel just like their F1 teams, just like their soccer teams, just like, you know, whatever other sports they have investments in. I don't know. Just like whatever other categories they're invested in outside of sports it's a small cog and the way the player explained it to me is this he's like imagine buying a mutual fund and the mutual fund has 15 stocks in it and you're getting a 15 percent return on that mutual fund but there's a, a there's a, a a startup tech stock within that mutual fund that you're invested in that's losing 25 percent of their money you know and you're looking at it like yeah that you know that's not ideal but I'm happy with the mutual fund's performance because everything else is making up for it. It's a small piece. So 
I guess that's something for us all to understand when we think about the business behind Live. And obviously, that, that, that may be one reason why they're, they're putting so much more responsibility on the franchises next year and saying, hey, listen, the, the, free, the free rides are somewhat over. So next year, Live is not paying for the, the transportation. They're not paying for all the hotels. They're not paying for all the food like they did this year. They paid for all that stuff. You know, we all saw the video, everybody on the private jet flying from whatever that tournament was. They're, they're not doing that anymore. As of 2023, these franchises will take care of it themselves. Um, and I did hear some rumors about companies that are very interested in these franchises. And I heard rumors that it's only going to take one company. I kind of mentioned that to Jeff, but the rumor is whenever the first company says we're in, there's supposedly, and again, this is rumor coming from on-site at Live, and I understand they could be completely, you know, sensationalizing all this. The, the rumor is that there are many companies waiting to dive in as soon as the first one takes the leap. And that's, that's where things are really going to get, it's going to be nut-cutting time for professional golf. Um, I, I, heard a, I heard a player say they think Greg Norman needs to be out, doesn't need to be the commissioner anymore. I tend to agree. I don't know that the world of golf can move forward with Greg Norman and Jay Monahan at the helm of these two organizations. I, don't think, I, I, I think there's too much bad blood, too much hatred, too much ego, um, and I think both have mishandled things. I think both have handled some things very well. But both have also mishandled things. And, and they can't get out of their own way. And it's going to hurt the world of golf globe overall, like in golf fans. It is hurting us. I don't like it. I don't like it. Honestly, as it stands right now, I wish Liv had never started as it stands right now. I was just fine in my PGA Tour bubble. I wasn't happy with everything they were doing, but I was fine. I was fine. That being said, if in five years, Liv is still around and they've changed the landscape, we could look back on this and say, I'm glad it came because it disrupted things enough that it made the PGA Tour product better. It, made, it obviously brought Liv in and Liv's doing whatever. And now they're coexisting and things are good. That only happens if the best players in the world can play wherever they want to play. That, that's, that's the only way that happens. Um, because seeing a fractured golf world with players over here and players over there that can't ever do this, except maybe in majors, sucks. So ultimately, I want whatever needs to happen for that to happen. Speaking of majors, also heard this rumor from a player. The Masters is not going to change anything. If you qualify to play in the Masters in 2023, you qualify. That means past champions. That means guys who I think, I think it's if you finish in the top 10 at, a, at the previous Masters, you automatically get in. Uh, and that means whatever other exemptions you earn, including the World Golf Ranking. Now, the World Golf Ranking situation is, is a big problem. You know, the, the, the Lyft has two big problems, World Golf Ranking and TV. Those are the two big problems. <clears throat> but I heard Augusta National is not going to change a thing. And that's what I kind of anticipated. They're not. They're, they're not going to inject themselves into it. They're just going to say, if you qualify, you qualify. Live, PJ Tour, doesn't matter. Masters is not affiliated with either. They're not affiliated with either. Nor is the U.S. Open. Nor is the PGA of America. Nor is the Open Championship affiliated with the PJ Tour. So they're all going to make their own independent judgments. Um, but if you're wondering what the Masters is going to do, I really think you can stop wondering. I think that's what they're going to do. They're going to let whoever wants to play play. 
So that means Cam Smith's going to play because he's, he's going to be top 50 in the world still. Um, and he's probably got a top 10 in there too. That means all your past champs are playing. Uh, you know, it's probably going to hurt guys who slip out of the top 50 by the time the world's over, the season or the year's over and the world golf ranking stuff falls. That's going to hurt. But um, this is some of the stuff that I saw, some of the stuff that I gleaned from, uh, from Liv. So hit me up. I hope you understand, like, put, get in the comments and stuff. But, like, again, I am not some Liv shill. Okay, let me say this, too. People saying, God, this pisses me off. People in my comments saying this, you're being paid. No, I'm not, mother. No, I'm not. I am not being paid. And if I am being paid and it come, you, you, you come to find that out one day, which you won't because it ain't happening, then you can roast my ass till the cows come home. I ain't getting paid jack by Liv. You kidding me? They don't care. They, they don't need me. They really don't. If, you know, I think there are some bigger you know, brands out there, media companies out there that may get an offer from Liv, but it ain't the tour junkies. We're not big enough, bro, buddy. So I didn't get a dime. I paid money to go to this thing. Not, 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 not to be a media member. That was free. I paid to go. I mean, I, it was free to go. But I paid money in airfare and hotel and food, you know, rental car, really crappy rental car. But I'm not getting paid to do jack by the PJ Tour or Liv. First of all, so let me say that. And, I, and I'm not here to be a Liv shill. I'm, I'm here to report what I saw, what I observed, and what I heard, and, and some opinions that I gathered while I was there. And I think it's interesting, and I think people want to are, are curious about it. Uh, but I love the PGA Tour. I love the PGA Tour. It is not perfect. It's not. There are things I would also love to see go and things I would love to change. But overall, I love the PGA Tour, okay? Uh, I don't love Liv. I don't know where I fall on Liv. I, I, I might, like, I think I'm going to be a little more interested next year. The franchise thing interests me a little bit more. Obviously, if they bring over more big names, big players, I will also be more interested. I think if they do a little bit of th little things differently with the team function of it, it could be a little more interesting. So at this point, my, my interest is peaked in Liv. But you know what? I mean, like, I didn't watch that much Liv stuff this year. I didn't. Uh, I did a lot of Liv content making fun of Liv because it was easy. And it is easy. And I'll continue to make fun of Liv. I'll, I will. Um, and I'll make fun of the PGA Tour, too. It's what I do. It's, it's, it's content. This is what we do. It's, welcome to the internet. If you, you know, you got to do stuff like that. If, you, if it's just bland, vanilla, nothing, like, you, you, then you don't, guess what? You don't follow those people. So, yeah. Um, but I walked away from it with a couple big ideas. Big ideas being, I, I really think the franchise thing is going to be intriguing. Um, that they're not going anywhere next year, and they're ready to make just as big a splash next year as they did this year. Uh, it is not an exhibition. These guys are trying. Uh, I don't think any differently than they did on the PJ Tour. And again, that's on a spectrum. On a spectrum. Um, and I think they are well positioned, obviously, with all that money. And they're positioning themselves with a lot of employees, a lot of talented people that work there. I mean, you guys realize that on Liv's executive team and board, they have executives from the NFL, from F1, from, uh, I believe, Major League Soccer. Uh, they have major sports league executives that are working on, that left their job. 
probably because they got paid a large bag of money. But who cares? Like, I mean, they got their bag. It is what it is. And now they're here helping this league. They have a lot of talented people trying to figure it out and disrupt the golf world. And I think they're going to be, I think they have been successful, and I think they will be successful to some extent. Um, so those, those are some big takeaways for me. Uh, and if you, you know, I hope you're not so offended that you can't, you know, you can't, if, if you think it's terrible that we cover it, then I would say, cool. Then don't consume our live content. We will make it very clear when we're doing live content. You don't have to consume that. Like, but this, is, this should be more prevalent in our society in general. Like, if you don't like something, you know, there are things that I don't like all of, and I can glean the good and leave the bad. Take the good, leave the bad. Like, whatever happened to that? Um, it doesn't mean I have to write off or cancel the whole damn thing. Common sense is not common, apparently, but that, that's what I would do, okay? I would do that. Um, I listen to podcasts that I don't like all the hosts or like all of their segments or whatever, but I still glean. I read books that I don't agree with 100%. So anyway, I'm just saying, that's what I'm saying. Drop in the comments, share this with a friend. I don't know. I hope this was productive. Um, if you have any other questions about my experience, Liv, hit me up, uh, slide my DMs, drop me a message, email info at tourjunkies.com uh, if you want to hit me up directly. Oh, by the way, you know what I didn't mention? I did an Instagram story about some of the Liv stuff, and I had a player reach out to me, and this is not a player that I, I've had much communication with, but I had a young, talented player slide in my DMs and say, I'm very curious about your experience at Liv. I have my own biases, but I'm interested to hear about your experience. I find that interesting. I think a lot of people should, should consider that and not rush to Oh my God, you are media's live. You're a, you're, you're a horrible person and you suck and you're getting paid. No, dude. Also, there are a lot of your favorite journalists probably that are at, at live events. I hate to tell you. They're there. They're there, there observing. That's what we're doing. So anyway, rant over, conversation over. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, drop me a message. Let me know. And uh, yeah, talk soon. See ya.